Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy ninety nine point seven FM with George Adu Junior. The twenty twenty European Domestic League season climaxes this weekend with so much on the cards here, there, and everywhere. Trips with the pass, Vinicius with the shot, and in it goes. And Real Madrid restore their two goal cushion. Vinicius Junior with the instinctive shot on the turn beats down to his left. Oh, what a goal! Another moment of magic from Lionel Messi. Great acceleration on the right-hand side. Into the feet of De Baral and towards Chiesa, whose header is in. And he scores his third goal across the tie and has brought Juve back level on aggregate. Probably about 30 metres out. It's Kingsley Coman, Alaba. Coman, Thomas Muller, Alaba! And in goes Chupo Motting! And Bayern have the breakthrough goal! And 
La Liga title must decide which side of Madrid it will head to. Paris Saint-Germain and Lille are two possible names to go into the record books as 2021 French champions. In Italy, Juventus and AC Milan seek the Europa League escape route. In England, we need to solve the equation of how these three will become two. And Phillips has headed in. Liverpool have some room for manoeuvre now. Nat Phillips' first Liverpool goal. They're close to getting another important job done. Oxlade-Chamberlain forced Taylor off balance and then to the floor. Oh, that was magnificent. What a way to make an impact when you only have a few minutes on the field. And here's James. Just cut out by Isaac Perez's contact. Telemans from long distance. Oh! Is Hudson Adoy now Timo Werner Alonso coming in from the left? There is Alonso and Hudson Adoy. One of those put it in. Chelsea have won the game, and it's Marcus Alonso who runs away to the corner with all of the credit. There won't be a Premier League title won in Manchester today. Manchester City won, Chelsea two, and Pep Guardiola can't believe what's happened to his team in the second half. Two of Liverpool, Leicester City, and Chelsea will join the Manchester clubs in EPL's top four. We have a complete preview of games across Europe. Also coming up. And it's a penalty. Go the way of Kumasi Asante to go. An opportunity. Kwan Poku with a chance to draw first block. With a chance to score a goal. Kwan Poku turns around, hits the ball. And it's been saved by Richard Nata. Over for Hotemog. Oh my word. Isaac Mensah lining up for this. Will this be the telling blow for Kumasi Asante to call? Razak Abalora dancing on his line. While the sunshine slightly going into the shade under the clouds. Could this be the time for the rainbow to appear? Isaac Mensah hits the ball right. Saved by Razaka Ballora. And this is truly the game of games. Ghana Premier League title race is reaching fever pitch. As Giants, Accra Hearts Vogue and Asante Kotoko tussle for the top sport. We preview all games and review this afternoon's game between Accra Hearts Vogue and Techivan 11 Wonders. We'll be on the continent to monitor the second legs of the CAF Champions League quarterfinals. And if you'd love to send us a message, we'll love to read them via social media accounts. Joy slash 997 on Facebook, 0551-111-997 on WhatsApp, or tweet us at joysportsgh. We'll be in the United States to preview the upcoming NBA playoffs and play-ins. And in France for updates ahead of the Monaco Grand Prix. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Addy Jr., and welcome. It's very, very good to have you on board. What a fantastic evening to look forward to. And what a really great weekend to really get into Live and Joy 99.7 FM. It's always great that you do send us your messages on our WhatsApp line, 0551-111-997. So much to discuss tonight, and we love to go through it. We'll also be keeping an eye on the games that are currently ongoing, left, right, centre. But I think a good place to begin this evening is via... NBA, so much happening there right now, though. Teams would love to get the win tonight and give it a little extra time to heal and prepare for their opponent as Andrew Wiggins gets inside and gets the bucket. From him tonight to be able to score enough to win. Schroeder, nice play and drumming. And Batesmar for three, that's good. Nice feet inside, Looney, shot blocked. Andre Drummond with the rejection. Looney was ready to throw it down. And Golden State, the fifth-rated defense in the NBA this year. Oh, and Wiggins with the block of James has to fire it up. 
Wiggins guarded by James down the other end. Knocks down the three. I think the whole thing has been pretty exciting. Curry on the drive. Caruso wide open. Nobody near him. Curry against Kuzma. There's a double team. Second turnover by Curry. Kuzma to Caruso drives inside. Lefty layup is good as goes crashing. It's not a defensive foul, but it's not an offensive foul either. Knocked away. Ball picked up. Toscano Anderson. Two on one break. Goes right at LeBron James and finishes. James finds Montrez Harrell inside and throws it down. Shot clock at six. James looking to get a running start now. Pass to Caruso. Caruso on the drive. Inside Davis for the slam. Shot clock at seven. James, two defenders on him. To Caldwell Pope inside. He's tied up by Green. Throws it back up top. James puts up the three. Oh, it's gone. The Lakers are in the playoffs. The Warriors need to play on Friday. What a thriller here at the Staples Center. Yeah, it's Friday, and definitely there's so much to come tonight. We'll be looking forward to it. For those of you who can watch at 11 p.m., 12 a.m., yes, we go. The 16-team field for the 2021 NBA playoffs is almost set. The Boston Celtics captured the number seven seed in the Eastern Conference with a win over Washington Wizards, you know, who took advantage of their second chance and secured number eight seed with a blowout win over the Indiana Pacers. And yes, Gunners, I mean, Brian Mass right there. So sometimes your heart goes out there. Los Angeles Lakers picked up the number seven seed with a thrilling victory over the Golden State Warriors. And with one playoff spot up for grabs, it's all about the playing tonight. Joining me to do some analysis is Kofi Owusu. You'll have to call him Kofi Toronto. So, Kofi Toronto, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very good, George. How are you also doing? Oh, I'm really, 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 really good. Right. So, can we start with the playing years? Of course, we have an idea of, uh, you know, the teams that are ready for the playoffs. Let's talk about tonight's action. The Memphis Grizzles will be hoping to uh, pick one serious spot ahead of the Golden State Warriors. What are you expecting? Um, It's going to be an extremely exciting game. Um, The Golden State Warriors played one of the best games this season against the Lakers for the for the the harder playoff spot in the Western Conference. Um, LeBron had to win the game with a last-second three-pointer, and it was a very tightly contested game. Warriors had the likes of Steph Curry and Draymond Green with experience, so I think they will beat out the Grizzlies, who are exciting but are quite young. So I'm expecting a Golden State victory tonight, even though it will be very exciting. Yeah, I don't know, by their own standards. Yes, I know they lost their main man, Golden State Warriors. Is there anything... You know, uh, that is going to miss. We have an idea of why they're not uh, as good as they are. But, well, <laughs> is it going to get better anytime soon? Um, For sure. One of their best players, Clay Thompson, like you said, probably the second best player and the second best shooter in the whole league has been out all season. And so Steph Curry has had to take the load all alone. And he's done an amazing job. This season, he's a leading scorer in the NBA. And he's been playing amazing. But, you know, you need help. Every great player needs help. So next season, with the return of Clay Thompson... Expect Golden State to reach higher heights, back to where they used to be. Maybe, maybe we should just spend some time for the Indiana Pacers, and we're doing so because Ghana's Amida Brian is in there. We're so excited about it. Well, for most parts of the season, it looked like they were just going to pick up a play-off spot. It didn't happen. How disappointed are you with the Indiana Pacers? Because at almost every turn, it looked like they were close. Oh, for sure. Indiana's actually a very good team, so this is very disappointing. Last season, I think they were fourth. So they're easily in the playoffs. So this season has been a bit of... They've retrogressed this season. Um, they had some injuries. COVID-19 made schedules a bit difficult on them. So it's unfortunate. You know, Haz goes outside Midam Rima. He's our guy. So we're hoping that he could have made the playoffs. But it's unfortunate. Maybe next season with Terrence Levert was injured as well. One of their best players they got this season. 
with him returning and Amida Brahma, of course, getting better. Expect the Pacers to come back stronger. So, disappointing season for them. Disappointing. All right, that's the point. But then, uh, what are the prospects for Amida Brahma? Just if you're making the point about uh, Amida Brahma, can we continue to hope that it's going to really be good? Um, he, he, he's shown great progress. Um, to get into the NBA, let's, like, first of all, it's extremely difficult. So, big congratulations to him. To make the NBA, um, there's some statistics about... 0.5% of players who ever play basketball ever play in the NBA. So he's already in the league group. And I think with this experience, next season, with the same concentration, I'm sure you you have a more secure spot on the team. So he's done very well. And we're expecting better things for yeah. the Rama. Let's just end this all right now. So um, you've, you've predicted that the Golden State Warriors may find their way into the playoffs. That will give us a full set 16 teams. Then we go into the players proper. What are you mm-hmm. expecting? What kind of playoffs should we expect this season and uh, who are you looking at uh, you know really going through this to the to the final wow this is going to be one of the best playoffs in years the, the, the field is very um, the field is one through eight every team is extremely extremely good sometimes the first seed is far better than the eighth seed but this year is extremely tight all the way through so each series is going to be very interesting and intriguing worth watching um, teams to watch the Brooklyn Nets of course this season, they have KD, Kyrie, James Harden. They're the favorites going into it. But there's dangerous teams like the Lakers, who are the defending champions, the Clippers, Denver Nuggets, Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers. Many good teams. But if there's one team to look out for, it'll probably be the Nets. Too much firepower on the Nets. Okay. Are you, are you at this stage going to stick your neck for anyone and say, well, I expect this or that to win? Are you going to try any of that? Or you think we should wait? <laughs> <laughs> you probably should wait. But if I had to guess right now, I guess Brooklyn Nets for the championship. All right. All right. Kofi Uzu, it's great to have you, Kofi. Toronto giving us the analysis going into tonight's play-in and, of course, the playoffs to come later. And it's such a special one, as always, here on The Locker Room. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr., We've been talking a lot about a very, very special edition of the Joy Sports Arena on Sunday. We need to remind you, it's the final run-in, it's the final straight, and everybody is looking forward to what will happen at the end of such a difficult season. So then, in England, in Spain, in Italy, and of course in France, there's so much, and that's why we're coming your way with the Euro finish line from 2pm to 6pm on Sunday. Liverpool goal. They're close to getting another important job done. Oxlade Chamberlain forced Taylor off balance and then to the floor. Oh, that was magnificent. What a way to make an impact when you only have a few minutes on the field. Alex Oxlade Chamberlain has his first goal of another season when he's been troubled by so many injury problems. But this is a really important one because after a few nervy moments this half, that really has sealed the deal for Liverpool at Turf Moor tonight. Chilwell plays it in and Rudiger touches it in.
penalty. It has gone the way of Timo Werner after consultation at last. A kick potentially worth millions. And Jorginho delivers with style, with Elan, with certainty. And Chelsea begin again to embrace the Champions League. Euro finish line on Joy 99.7 FM. That's on Sunday. Yes, we're coming away with the sports arena. You want to join us from 2 p.m. till 6.30 p.m. And it's all about who's finishing in the English top four. Yes, is it going to be Liverpool, Leicester or Chelsea grabbing the final two slots? Who's winning the, I mean, French Liga? Who's winning the Spanish Liga? And of course, will Juventus make it into uh, the Champions League places or indeed uh, getting to Europa? Now time though to talk about Formula One because we're preparing for the Monaco Grand Prix. It's lights out and away we go. And I think Verstappen got a slightly better start than Lewis Hamilton and also Charles Leclerc a better start than Valtteri Bottas. Hamilton is just leading ahead then of Max Verstappen on the inside of the Ferrari Esteban Ocon as Verstappen goes into turn one and goes past the Mercedes. He got his elbows out there, Max Verstappen, and takes the lead of the race from Lewis Hamilton and then Valtteri Bottas. They're all clean through the first couple of corners, but that was such an important move for Verstappen and he got it done well. Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll now going through turn four. Alonso's got the inside line, but can Stroll hang on to this to take the inside line at turn five and take a position and move into ninth place? He can. He's ahead of Fernando Alonso into tenth place. Mercedes have opted to carry on as Verstappen. And on the inside of Sebastian Vettel, here comes Pierre Gasly at turn four. You don't often see three cars so close together through turn four. And how close was Sebastian Vettel and the Aston Martin to the Alpha Tauri going through there? Mercedes committing then to the two-stop strategy and pitting right now. So, has that caught Red Bull unawares? Could be Hungary all over again here. When Lewis Hamilton came out of the pits from his second stop, the gap was over 22 seconds. Verstappen is struggling here. Hamilton is right on his tail. If you remember last time out, Hamilton passed Max Verstappen on his way uh, to uh, victory in Portugal. Is he going to do it again here in Spain seven days later, getting showered in rubber from the rear of that Red Bull? Hamilton goes around the outside at turn one, and the charge is complete. Hamilton, by making an extra stop, has been given the opportunity by Mercedes to go on and win the race, and he now leads on lap 60. And of course, that's exactly what happened there. We've been looking forward to it. It's the Monaco Grand Prix. Charles Leclerc led a surprise Ferrari 1-2 in uh, the practice at the Monaco Grand Prix. We're keeping close taps on that. Now Leclerc, or Leclerc, you know, atop the second session with 0.112 seconds. Claire of Carlos Sainz, despite missing virtually the entire first session with a gearbox program. Also, Sainz was 0.278 seconds quicker than Mercedes uh, Lewis Hamilton, who was 0.007 seconds quicker than the title rival Max Verstappen joining me now on the line Raymond Yamadol let's talk some Formula 1 action right now though uh, Raymond how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well George okay I'm, I'm great I'm great at least we had two practices and as always we want to quickly get into it and ask the first question about whether the practices mean anything to the race are you picking any you know traces of what we can see or what we're likely to see at the weekend? Well, George, the biggest thing we picked from practice yesterday was that Ferrari definitely will be in this race as contenders. 
And I think the last time we spoke, I told you about Ferrari and how they were gradually beginning to gain momentum. And look at the performances of Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Um, it was definitely going to be a matter of time before we see the SF Challenger, SF21 Challenger, actually get on the circuits and dominate races. I think that what we saw in practice yesterday was supposed to tell us what we should expect from Ferrari this weekend. And so you look at uh, practice two when um, Ferrari finished and first and second, Charles Leclerc finished first, uh, Carlos Sainz finished second. And then even in P1, where Carlos Sainz finished second uh, behind Sergio Perez, you can actually tell that this Ferrari engine definitely will be in, in with the shot in this weekend's race. And, you know, already Mercedes are taking notice of what Ferrari have started doing. That car is really quick, and they actually showed a bit of, you know, their pace in, in practice. And so if that is anything to go by, then definitely we may not have the two-horse race we've seen between Red Bull and Mercedes like the other four races we've seen, but we might see Ferrari this time around coming with a very strong performance. And let's not forget that um, the homeboys in the race, we have Charlie Clerk, you know, coming back home to race. And so uh, there's a lot of promise, despite the fact that, you know, as a Formula 2 driver and as an F1 driver, he's not been able to finish on the podium. I still think that this is one fantastic opportunity for him um, to give the, 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 those in Monaco um, something to cheer about. And so I think that we might see Ferrari in this race. I think Red Bull did struggle a bit. Um, I think that um, Max Verstappen spoke about the fact that um, it was quite weak. Uh, it was quite a weak race. It was too slow. He admitted uh, the fact that he didn't do so well in practice. And so you definitely expect Red Bull to come back stronger as far as the big race itself is concerned. And Mercedes, as always. Um, we all know what Lewis Hamilton is capable of doing. This is a man who's won there a couple of times. He's won there on three different occasions. He's currently the defending champion. We didn't have a race last season. And so I still think that he's still the man to look forward to. But Mercedes do have to be cautious in this particular race because Red Bull and Ferrari definitely will keep them around for their money. Well, I think you made a, a fantastic point there. We'll be looking forward to how this really pans out. But we have to talk about the kind of race you're expecting and uh, we'll go into the little corner, the little naughty corner of having you to uh, go ahead with your predictions for what we're likely to see on podium. It's been an interesting season already. And yeah, if we know the, the general theme, show me how well you can drive and not how fast your car really is. Red Bull know they, they're under some kind of pressure to try and tell the world that, yeah, we got a good driver to go into it. And, and, and yeah, there was a little bit, there was a little bit between the two as well. You know, yeah. with Louis Hamilton says, well, we got to show you what you need. And Max Verstappen said, well, I don't need to prove anything to you. So what are we to expect then? Uh, the, when, when the race starts? Well, Monaco is a very tricky um, place to race. Uh, and you look at that um, circuit to Monaco. It's, it's very unfavorable when it comes to overtaking. And so uh, for Formula 1 lovers who love a lot of overtaking, uh, we heard Louis Hamilton earlier complain that in the past, when that circuit used to be um, the, 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 the mainstay of Arten Center and the likes, their chassis were very small. The, the cars they were driving at the time was very small. This time around, they have bigger cars. And so... It's not easy for drivers to overtake on that particular circuit, and especially on the 10th and all. And so that is one thing that we should note. And so Lewis Hamilton even described that, uh, described it as we possibly having, you know, a train, uh, you know, trains on the circuit this weekend. And so, George, that in itself tells us that um, the pace of the cars will be tested. You know, how quick the cars are, um, as far as who leads on the streets, uh, who is able to, you know, turn quickly on the 10s would be. And so I think that looking at that, it would be very difficult to, you know, have the excitement we had, you know, in, in Barcelona where we saw a couple of overtakings here and there. We may, we may be missing out on that. But that said, I still think that 
um, looking at the pace of Ferrari this, um, in practice, I'm expecting them to continue uh, to dominate as far as their pace is concerned when it comes to P3 and even in qualifiers. I think that a lot would depend on who starts in front of the grid. I think that for, for, for most parts, we, we, we always say that um, even if um, a driver starts in front, in pole position, you know, even at the start, just like we saw in Barcelona, the driver could lose pole. But this is one second that it's very difficult to actually... Um, overtake someone even at the start of the race. That, mm. that, 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 that's where it gets very yeah. tricky. And so whoever starts from pole would have the big advantage as far as winning this race is concerned. And so uh, if we are talking about pole positions. We know Lewis Hamilton could possibly, you know, start from pole. We all know Valtteri Bottas is also another candidate. Max Verstappen is also another candidate. And looking at the pace of Ferrari, we could be talking about Carlos Sainz and Charlie Clegg. So mm. I think, George, it's going to be a very, you know, difficult race. Uh, we are going to see a lot of excitement. We are going to see a lot of drama. We are going right. to see a lot of cars you know, adapt strategies as far as burning the rubber or the tires are concerned. And so I still think that Lewis Hamilton is favorite to win this one. He won there in 2018, 2016, 2019. Um, the other winners who are currently drivers on the grid, we talk about um, Sebastian Vettel and Alonso. I still think that these drivers haven't proven their worth yet this season. And so with the experience of Lewis Hamilton, we can still put him as the favorite to win this race. And then we talk about... Um, Valtteri, uh, we, we can talk about Valtteri Bottas. Um, I think that Valtteri Bottas hasn't shown too much dominance in practice. And so we might just not expect a Mercedes 1-2 or two Mercedes drivers finish mm. on the podium. I mm. think that we are going to see Max Verstappen coming in second. And this time around, we may see Charles Leclerc finishing third. And so my podium finishes will have Mercedes finish first with, with Lewis Hamilton. Max Verstappen will definitely play second fiddle to Lewis Hamilton. Right. And we might see Ferrari showing show some strong performances this weekend with Charles Leclerc finishing on the podium. Oh, yes. A lot of patterns drawing uh, just from the practices we've had so far in France, in Monaco. We look forward to the Monaco Grand Prix. Raymond Yamato, thank you very much for your time as always on the show. You're welcome, George. And we'll look forward to what happens right there. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. So we're moving straight into football. We're going to be talking about the CAF Champions League. Yes, because we have the second leg or the second legs of the quarterfinals. It's been interesting with what we saw. Remember, we spoke to New Adam, so we're doing that again shortly on our show. Uh, it was really, really good to see how the first legs went. We'll be talking about how the second legs I expected to go here right now. I'll be telling you just shortly how those first legs went. <laughs> got four games up for you later this weekend. It's all happening tomorrow. All the CAF Champions League quarterfinal second legs. I'll tell you about what happened in the first legs. Just a reminder as we prepare ourselves for what is to come uh, on the continent. Peter Muzimani got one over his former employers. Yes, as home side Al-Hilali. 
you know, or Ahli actually beat Mamelodi Sundowns by two goals to nil in the first leg. Uh, for those of you who managed to catch a glimpse of that, it was really interesting at the Al Salam Stadium last Saturday. And so we're going to see how they would get into this particular one. Absolutely tight. I'll tell you again about Zakaria Drawui and Amir Saud scored either half of uh, home side, Siar Belusidad, as they managed to beat the four-time champions Asparans by two goals to nil to end an advantage in the quarterfinals. Uh, we'll see that return leg as well later uh, tomorrow. Kaiser Chiefs as well have managed to put one foot in the semi-finals of the CAF Champions League because well, it was a flawless home performance that saw them beat Tanzanian champion Simba FC four goals to nil. Well, and then the final game, we saw how MC Alger came for the goal down uh, to play a 1-1 draw against the two-time African champions without club athletic. Joining me on the line now, our African football expert, my colleague uh, to Shua FM. <laughs> I-, I hope by now he's made his way to Owasil uh, and Clay Stadium. That's where there will be a lot of action tomorrow. And later when we talk about the Ghana Premier League, you understand. Arsenal Book of One at top of the table. The only team that can knock them off their pitch this weekend is Kumasiya Santikoroko. Guess who they play against? Wafa. Anyway, no, how are you doing? Have you landed safely? Hello, Nuhu. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Uh, Nuhu, uh, how, how is everything? Uh, where you are now? Everything is fine. Okay, right. Nuhu, so let's talk about uh, the CAF Champions League uh, quarterfinal second legs that we saw. What did you make of the first legs, though? Right, it's a slight one in there. We will try and get back uh, Nuhu Adams on that one. Uh, just as we're putting this one through. I'll be telling you more. I'll be telling you more about what's to come then. But certainly we've got these games for you. And so it's one that we can look forward to here on the locker room. from the CAF Champions League shortly as we try to see if we can raise new Adams on the line. That was not new Adams. So yes, we have to try and pick and get new Adams. But I was telling you about the games. And in the last one, I was telling you about uh, MC Alge. Yeah, they came for the goal down and they managed to draw 1-1 with, with that club athletic. So these are the games that we're looking forward to. Ahli up against Mamelodi Sundowns. CR Belisidad will play against Asperans. There's Kaiser Chiefs up against Simba and we've got MC Alger up against Wadat Club Athletic. Is it going to be possible uh, that we get a new if not? We'll quickly have to switch here on our show. And there's the Ghana Premier League to talk about, of course. We've also got, um, yeah, the Euro Leagues that are ending. And it's always a quick reminder to tell all of you that we've got uh, the Euro finish line that will be taking place tomorrow. I mean, on Sunday, right from 2 p.m. till 6 p.m. So let's see how it goes here on our show. Uh, well, so we'll move away from this shortly because we have to talk about what we saw 
Join midweek. Gary Smith, my colleague, put together a we put together, and he led that uh, action because he was the man who handled all the guys we got on our show. We had a big edition of the PM Express, and we had a pretty great chat there. So, so much about what is to come this weekend as uh, Gary hosted Guillaume Balagi, Guillaume Balagi of La Liga TV, also Ralph Hodgson, a uh, fantastic man who does a great job for the Athletic in the UK as well. Aside that, we also spoke to Jeremy Smith. That was great stuff. And they've been speaking about what we should expect in, I mean, at the end of such a brilliant season uh, with so many surprises, which is still giving us so much at the end. Let's enjoy this one for those of you who missed it. And when we come back, we'll talk some more. I think it's a mixture of factors. I think we've seen with Lille over the last few years, Luis Campos is a fantastic recruiter and he's carried on what he did at Monaco, finding some some really, really talented young players. And even though Lille are having to sell a couple of their, their top stars each summer, he's managing to replace them. And then this year, the, the sort of brilliant piece of business was bringing in Barack Yilmaz, who obviously is the other extreme. He's a veteran. He's never really played in the, in the very top league but he's been kind of a revelation and and although it has really been a a team effort and you know from Menyo in goal all the way to to the sort of variety of of players up front everyone has played their part I think Yilmaz has kind of really become a a sort of talisman and and if he hadn't been injured for a couple of a couple of months around um, sort of Christmas and the turn of the year I think Lille could well have already had the the league sewn up by now Yeah, Guillaume let's come to Spain now I mean it's probably after the Premier League top four race, it's probably the most delicious thing that's going to be served in Europe. Uh, What are the Spanish papers saying about this fantastic title race? It's crazy, mad, stupendous. They don't use the the word delicious, but they should. Uh, (laughs) It's actually a nice way of describing what's going on. It's really tasty. Uh, It's it's everything that, um, whenever you look in the table, is still to play for, apart from uh, at the bottom where Eibar went down and is a little bit sad to see him going down and a village of 27,000 people uh, with a particular philosophy, almost like a village team uh, that have been doing so well for seven years. They're down. Uh, But uh, apart from, again, the top four, because that that was guaranteed for a while with the big uh, work of Sevilla and and the three big big clubs. But, uh, yes, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid fighting for the title the last game of the season is, is something unexpected. The fact that Barcelona are not there and could actually finish fourth is interesting, especially for an Espanol fan like myself, if they do Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Can I have a laugh for a year? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, let's, let's go to Guillaume again. Guillaume, what did you say? I think many might have missed it. What did you say again? All right, I'll say it again. That Barcelona could finish fourth and Sevilla could have taken them. And Sevilla, not, they don't care about the season anymore. They actually don't care. They have holidays already. They may win the game and Barcelona drop points and Barcelona finish fourth. And if they do for a year, can I go, <laughs> because I'm an Espanol fan and we have been promoted. We're in the first division now. Nobody yes. can laugh at us. We had it for a year. And uh, if finished, Barcelona finished fourth, oh my God. There is this uh, repeated mantra that uh, the Spanish league is not a competitive league, but uh, I like to um, take those that think that uh, to the to the recent titles. Uh, it has been in every decade, uh, in every decade in the last 30 years, uh, half of that decade, five years, the separation, the point uh, separation between first and third has been less than five points. So you are talking about generally a competitive league, but it's quite clear that it becomes 
even more exciting when uh, the likes of Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, uh, city rivals, are actually playing it for the title on the last game of the season. And what has made it a game is uh, a bunch of things. One of them, of course, is that Real Madrid and Barcelona haven't been at the best. They are in a transition that will continue for more than a year. Uh, we'll see with which managers in charge. But of course, Atletico Madrid uh, are ahead of them, partly thanks to Luis Suarez, who used to be the striker of Barcelona, but uh, was pushed out. Uh, Ronald Koeman, the manager of Barcelona, arriving, uh, said to uh, Luis Suarez in a minute and a half conversation on the phone, sorry, bye, we don't need you. And right, okay, Luis Suarez found, uh, tried to go to Juventus, didn't work out, and then up at Atletico Madrid, and in there he scored uh, 20 goals. The last one means a bonus for him as well. And a very important goal he was uh, in the last game out for Atletico Madrid, the 2-1 victory that allows them to uh, to have a chance of winning the titles in their hands now. So he hadn't scored since the 21st of March, he scored at the last game and uh, and now it's all down to Atletico Madrid. If they beat Valladolid, a team that needs to win as well to have any hope of staying in the first division, so it's a win-win kind of game, like a cup final. Well, if Atletico Madrid wins, then they'll be champions as well as they were in 2013-14. Oh, nice one. So on our screen, we see some of the key games. Valladolid versus Atletico Madrid. Um, Adriano, you want to take a crack at these? Real Madrid versus Villarreal, Ibar, Barcelona, Sevilla, Alaves. And then when you are done, we come back to Guillaume briefly and ask him, is Lionel Messi staying at Barcelona or not? Adriano. Seems like there is a lot to discuss there. But look, the... I correct me if I'm wrong, Guillaume, but the Real Villarreal match initially was scheduled for Sunday, but then they moved it back a day, so Villarreal could have an extra day rest for the Europa League final, which I love because I think Villarreal have a tremendous opportunity to win that match against Manchester United and make it five Spanish teams in the Champions League. So certainly from a Spanish perspective, looking forward to that, but clearly the two games, uh, Atleti and Real, their fixtures, obviously Atleti away to Valladolid and Real against Villarreal, they'll be the matches to watch on Saturday afternoon. And look, Atleti, they're there. It's theirs for the taking. That man, Luis Suarez, he's figured... For, for all the right and wrong reasons all season, but he's done the job again, plenty of goals, and well, how good would it be for him if he could win the La Liga title again, this time in Atleti colours? So look, a dramatic final day, unfortunately for Barcelona, not too much to play for, but uh, many out there suggesting that maybe Lionel Messi still has uh, claims for another Ballon d'Or, so uh, another winning performance perhaps for him to end the season, or the club season at least, on a high. But certainly I'm curious to know what his future holds beyond uh, this weekend. How about Thomas Tuchel? I mean, Raphael, you're, you're, you, you specialize in that form as well. Has he surprised people in Germany who even know his beginnings about how wonderful, I think is the word, he's been with Chelsea so far? I wouldn't say surprise is the right word, but there's definitely been more attention on what he's done now than there was at PSG. I think at PSG, the assumption was that, of course, he's going to win the league. If he wins the Champions League, it's great. If he doesn't, it's probably not so great. And what he did in terms of the team, of the tactics, didn't really receive the same kind of attention, the same kind of resonance, if you will. Because it's Chelsea, because there are three German players there and Rudiger, Werner and Havertz, because Chelsea were so poor before he took over and have now gone from a situation where nobody thought they had any chance of being anywhere near the Champions League to being 
maybe considered not rank outsiders, yet still outsiders, but after beating City twice in recent weeks, not, you know, the difference isn't huge between those sides. I think people are realizing once again, or perhaps reminding themselves just how good a manager he is, because he left on a bit of a cloud at Dortmund. The PSG time wasn't really that well received in his home country. It's only now with, with Chelsea that I think people are once more saying, you know what, this Tuchel guy, he does actually know what he's doing. The irony is in a way that over the last few years, Bayern have been vulnerable. And of course, it's a bit of a shame for the rest of the league that they haven't been able to compete with this Bayern side. Unfortunately, neither Dortmund nor Leipzig nor anyone else has been able to take advantage. If you cast your mind back to 2018-19 when they won the double under Niko Kovac, they only won the league by two points because Dortmund had a very, very bad second half of the season under Lucien Favre. The next year, when Kovac was fired, Bayern again were pretty poor until Hansi Flick took over in, in November. But again, Dortmund played a very poor half of the season. This time, the first half of the season was really, really bad. And this year, we saw Bayern struggle. We saw them concede more goals than at any time over the last, um, I think it's now almost 25 years if they concede a goal. So defensively quite poor. But again, neither Dortmund nor Leipzig able to capitalize. And there is a bit of a shame, of course, because when you look at a nine consecutive win, of course, it doesn't reflect well on the rest of the league. It shows you how strong Bayern has been. But of course, we would all like to see a bit more competitiveness at the top. The one thing we have going in the Bundesliga is that below Bayern, if you take Bayern out of the equation, it's probably the most competitive league in Europe because you don't know when you're a team like Wolfsburg or Werder Bremen or Frankfurt or Freiburg, whether you're fighting against relegation or for the Champions League, almost anything is possible. This year we saw Frankfurt very, coming very, very close to getting into the Champions League. We see Wolfsburg qualify for the first time in, in many years. Uh, we see Union Berlin still in with a shout in their second ever Bundesliga season for qualifying for Europe. So there is competitiveness, unfortunately not quite at the very top. My colleague Gary Alsmith there, that was on Wednesday night, those of you who joined us, uh, we thank you so much. We're trending number one all through. And of course, right now, I should tell you, that was uh, Guillaume Balagi of uh, La Liga TV, Ralph Honigstein of uh, The Athletics, uh, UK, Sky Sports as well. It was Jeremy Smith of GFFN France, Adriano Del Monte of ESPN and Optus Sport. Now, though, we have to continue with the European plan and getting to what's been happening and what is likely to happen on the weekend. The BBC's John Bennett on the Joy Sports BBC Two-Way Series. John for a time this weekend and it's always a pleasure to have you in the locker room. Now the English Premier League season has flown past us and we look forward to the final weekend with so much on it with regards to the final top four places. So let's do the permutations. It's surely two of Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester joining the Manchester clubs. Who needs to do what? Hi George, great to speak to you on the locker room. Yeah, it's very simple, isn't it? Basically... The favourites are Chelsea and Liverpool because they have their destiny in their own hands. But FA Cup winners Leicester City are in fifth place. They will be hoping one of them, Chelsea in third, Liverpool in fourth, slips up. So third place, Chelsea travel to Aston Villa. I'm going to be at this game, really excited about it. 
Villa actually are full of confidence after beating Tottenham away from home in midweek. Chelsea, though, will feel they, they can get the job done after the way they played against Leicester. Liverpool, no one more win, will almost certainly secure Champions League football because they have a better goal difference than Leicester. They take on Crystal Palace at home. There'll be fans in the stadium as well for Liverpool at Anfield for the first time since December. As for Leicester, they have to beat out-of-form Tottenham and hope that Liverpool or Chelsea drop points. So at one stage, it looked as though we wouldn't have much to play for on the final day of the Premier League season. Luckily, this is keeping the excitement levels high. Well, John, I know all three teams will be very disappointed to miss out on a place, but one will definitely do so. Which of these three, John, would be really sorry should they fail to make the top four? I know Liverpool are attempting to save a poor season. Chelsea have spent so much that they would love to be in the top four. And Leicester only lost out last year. Well, I know I am from Leicester, so maybe you'll think I'm being biased here. But, but I'm actually not. Even if I wasn't from Leicester, I would feel really sorry for Brendan Rodgers' side because they have been in the top four basically all season. And now right at the end, in the penultimate game against Chelsea, they've, they've dropped out. But I, I, listen, I think if you're in the top four after 38 games, you deserve to be there. However, it's been accomplished. So even though Liverpool had a blip after December and they had some awful form, particularly at Anfield, I th- still think if they finish in the top four, they deserve to be there. And Chelsea, even though, of course, they sacked their manager in January, Frank Lampard, and had some difficult moments despite the money they spent, I think if they finish in the top four, in, after 38 games, they deserve to be there. What I'd say about Leicester is, though, they are kicking above their weight. They have the eighth biggest budget in the English Premier League. And at worst, they're going to finish fifth and win the FA Cup. So it still would be a fantastic season for them. But for the second season running, they would just miss out on the Champions League. For, for most weeks in the last two seasons, they've been in the top four. But it looks as though they're going to miss out right at the end. So, John, it's the end of a season and it's time to do our Joy Sports BBC EPL Awards then. Your father picks the award for the most patriotic fan after his words to you in the Foxes FA Cup win. But tell me, your most bizarre VAR moment, the top five young talents this season, your coach of the season, player of the season, team of the season and your flops, including the team and player of the season. Right, here we go then. I'll rattle through this because we've got a lot to get through, haven't we? Young players of the season, my top five, I will go for Phil Foden of Manchester City. He's just been incredible. Mason Greenwood, one of the best natural finishers I've seen for many years. Wesley Fofana at Leicester City, a 20-year-old. He plays like a 28-year-old, like he's been in the Premier League for 10 years. Bukayo Saka, someone who impresses me every time I see him play. I think Arsenal, uh, despite the fact they've had a poor season... The future will be bright if they can hang on to him. And I think for the fifth young player, I'm going to pick a goalkeeper, Ilian Melier of Leeds United. I think uh, he's been really underrated this season. He's had some top-class performances. My VAR blunder of the season. Can we call this a VAR blunder? I will let you decide. Uh, It was Liverpool defender Virgil van Dijk when he suffered that season-ending knee injury, collided with the Everton goalkeeper Jordan Pickford at the start of the season. But because Van Dyke was offside in the build-up to the incident, Pickford escaped punishment, despite the fact that if you look at it back, it was a horror tackle. And it's never been fully determined, even though we have VAR, whether that horror tackle even went to VAR. Jurgen Klopp is mystified. We're all mystified. I'll let you decide if that's a VAR blunder, but that is what stands out for me. Manager of the season, 
I'll give it to David Moyes. Everyone expected West Ham to struggle at the start of the season. Even their captain, Mark Noble, went on social media, questioned some of their recruitment decisions. But look at where they are now. I'm going to pick them for team of the season as well, West Ham, because they've defied the odds. Uh, uh, incredible that they're going to finish in the European spots after being tipped for relegation. My player of the season will go to Ilkay Gundogan. Manchester City have won the Premier League basically without a striker. They played a false nine, but someone had to score the goals. They've been spread around the team. Ilkay Gundogan has come out as the top scorer and he's been superb in midfield as well. So I think he is my player of the year. Flops of the season, Rian Brewster at Sheffield United stood out for me because he cost £25 million and he's hardly done anything for Sheffield United who've had a dreadful season. But I think I'll pick Donny van der Beek. It's not all his fault, but he signed for $42 million, didn't he? And he's hardly featured for Manchester United. So sadly, I'm going to pick him as my flop of the season. Well, that was our special award ceremony <laughs> brought to you by George and John Bennett. But can we talk about Spurs now? Harry Kane's interview was loaded with so much, with many pointing to the fact that he may well leave. Well, first, what are you hearing from the insiders? Does Kane intend to leave? And which clubs are interested at the moment? It is looking as though he intends to leave. Uh, we've seen stories being put out in the media, presumably by his team, presumably by sources close to him, that he wants to leave. We've seen this interview he's given with Gary Neville, uh, where he was saying that he needs an honest conversation with the chairman. I think he knows that this is his time to go, and I'd actually agree with him. I think if he wants to win trophies, he's 28 now, he has to move, and certainly he would fit in at most of the big clubs around Europe. The question is, though, will Tottenham let him go? We've seen down the years players have had to force their way out. The likes of Christian Eriksen, Luka Modric, Gareth Bale. Uh, you, can, you can pick a number of players who've, who've had to force their way out of Tottenham because Daniel Levy is very hard to negotiate with. And is anyone going to stump up £100 million, £120 million to sign him? The obvious route would be Manchester City. But Pep Guardiola has said they're not going to spend that sort of money on a striker. The other obvious route would be Chelsea, but I think that would really upset the Spurs fans. Would he go to Paris Saint-Germain, where Maurizio Pochettino is there? I think Paris Saint-Germain, they will concentrate on trying to keep Mbappe and Neymar. They've already um, tied Neymar down to a long contract, which will cost a lot of money. Real Madrid don't have much money at the moment. We're being told on, to spend on transfers. Barcelona, it's the same as well. He's not going to go to Bayern Munich. So the options are very limited. It's, it's, I think it's Manchester City, really, or nothing. So it's all about whether Manchester City are actually interested in signing him. So, John, what becomes of Spurs then? Doesn't look like Rand Mason stays on the job. What have you heard in terms of who Spurs would like to employ? Yeah, they can't give it, surely, to a 29-year-old rookie coach. It's such a big job. It's a rebuild job, isn't it, at Tottenham? Um, people are saying Brendan Rodgers is the favourite or that's who Tottenham would like to employ. But will Brendan Rodgers want to leave Leicester City where he basically can rule the roost? He's got a great relationship with the owner. He can decide the future of the club. He can have a big say in recruitment. He's happy there. Will he want to leave that and risk going to Tottenham? Particularly when, if he hangs on at Leicester, maybe he'll get an even bigger club than Tottenham. A club challenging right at the top of the table, season in, season out, with the way his reputation is building at Leicester. So... It's a tricky one. Other names have been mentioned, the likes of Graham Potter at Brighton. Perhaps they'll go for a foreign coach. But it, whoever comes in, it's a massive rebuild job, particularly if Harry Kane leaves. Uh, John, there were beautiful scenes at the Selhurst Park when the returning crowd and staff sent off 
Roy Hodgson in fantastic style. There have been rumours of the former Chelsea boss Frank Lampard joining. How true is that? He's certainly the favourite. Crystal Palace have to be careful here with this with this next appointment because remember when they brought in De Boer before Hodgson, they tried to completely revolutionise their style of play, going from direct, no-nonsense football to a kind of Dutch style. And it didn't work. He was sacked and they had to completely change their philosophy again. Roy Hodgson came in, steady the ship. I think he's done a really good job as well over the last few years. So they have to bring in someone who can make an, a, a sensible transition to maybe moving the club forward. Frank Lampard, I think, maybe would be an intelligent choice. Did a really good job at Derby. Did some good things at, at Chelsea as well, bringing in the younger players. Maybe slightly unproven. But the worry is at Crystal Palace, there are lots of players out of contract. So there'll be a big turnover of players. The recruitment will have to be very, very clever this summer. And also, it looks as though Eberichi Eze is out until at least the start of next year. So one of their star players will be missing. So whoever comes in, very, very difficult job at Crystal Palace. And John, Ruin Diaz won the Football Writers Award. What does that say about his work rate and input all season? Yeah, as I said, I would have gone for uh, Ilke Gundogan, but you can see why Ruben Diaz has been picked. And it, apparently the Football Writers Association say it was a comfortable choice as well. So it seems as though he was the resounding winner. The Football Writers uh, were really in favour of him becoming uh, Player of the Year. He's been incredible, hasn't he? I remember, I think it was the last game before he joined, Manchester City conceded five goals against Leicester City. So they were in trouble defensively. He came in, though... And I think they've conceded less than 25 goals this season in the Premier League. So alongside John Stones, I think we have to say that John Stones has had a great season as well. But those two have built the solid foundations that the Premier League win has been, uh, has been built on. It's been a sensational performance from Ruben Diaz in his first season in the Premier League as well. Coming from Portugal, everyone says that it's so, so difficult to settle in to the Premier League but it hasn't been difficult for him at all and it's a notable win actually because Diaz is only the third player to win the award in his first season in English football and the last defender to win the accolade was 32 years ago Steve Nicol for Liverpool so the first defender to win the award for 32 years shows how amazing he's been this season Well John the final stretch in every league has something on it France, Italy, Spain which situation are you hoping to keenly monitor La Liga title race Juventus AC Milan top four tassel all the La Liga race well for me it's all about La Liga and can Atletico Madrid hold their nerve they're two points clear of Real Madrid and they have a winnable game on paper they're away to Real Valladolid the subplot there is that Real Valladolid one of their owners is the great Brazilian Ronaldo former Real Madrid legend so will he want to help his old club Real Madrid I'm sure he would Real Madrid, meanwhile, are at home to Villarreal. Villarreal may be their eyes on the Europa League final, which is coming up in a few days. So I think Real Madrid will win that game. It's all about whether Atletico Madrid can hold their nerve. And I don't want to name drop here, but I interviewed Diego Forlan, Atletico Madrid um, player, ex-Atletico Madrid player this week. And he was telling me that Diego Simeone has got the players really motivated for this one. They will not. They will not slip up. They will hold their nerve. And um, they will win the title, which will be incredible. It will be the first time they they'd win the La Liga title since 2014. And you know, even though they've had problems Barcelona and Real Madrid, they are the giants of Spanish football. So any time they don't win the league, it's a massive story.
And of course, we'll look forward to that. We'll look forward to that on Sunday. Join us from 2 p.m. to 4, I mean, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. We're coming away with the Euro finish line. Now, though, let's get the games to come then. What is it going to be looking like in France, in Italy, in Spain? Here's Choice Possible Zibor. It's the final weekend of the top flight season in Spain and France with a gripping finale expected to decide who will be crowned champions of La Liga and Ligue 1. Over in Spain, Atletico Madrid are on the verge of winning their first league title for seven years but arch rivals Real Madrid are waiting to pounce if they slip up. In France, the top three, Lille, Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco, are separated by three points. Leaders Lille, one point ahead of PSG going into the final day, are one win away from winning the crown for the first time since 2010-2011 season. And in Italy, the Gewiss Stadium prepares itself for a thrilling encounter in the final match of the season as Atalanta hosts AC Milan in the top four decided match. All the hard work of the year will be on the line as one game decides their place in the Champions League. For the first time in 10 years, Juventus have been denied a Serie A title as Inter Milan secured the Scudetto comfortably with 10 points lead. Juventus, AC Milan and Napoli are all in contention for the two remaining Champions League spots as it comes down to the wire. And in England, the Premier League may not have much of a title race to speak of this season, but the battle to finish in the top four and earn a place in next year's Champions League will go down to the final day. Chelsea, Liverpool and Leicester who will finish in the top four. Yeah, Joyce Moss, Moses Yabois, picking us up there and ensuring that we know the games to look forward to then. Now time to talk about the Ghana Premier League. And you know, Crown Hearts of Oka currently top of it because they beat Tichiman 11 waters by one goal to nail. Kwejo Bing Jr. got the goal. So, what does that mean? Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. To the rest, especially Kamasia Sansegurgo, who appear to have been toppled just for a few hours. They are at the Clan Clay Stadium against Wafa. Here's Mubarak Haruna with a special look ahead to March Day 26 of the Ghana Premier League. As 
Santi Kotoko are well aware of their nemesis, House of Oaks 1-0 triumph over 11 wonders earlier today, which lifts the four beers to the top with 46 points. There is no better motivation for the porcupines to snatch all three points against Wafa than seeing House above them. Mariano Barreto's side are on a four-game unbeaten streak since their defeat to Mediama Sporting Club in Obuasi last month. They have won three games and drawn one. A victory over Wafa for the Porcupine Warriors on Saturday would mean they have recorded three wins on the bounce for the first time this campaign. Wafa are also counting on their away form to give Asante Kotoko a reality check in their title chase. The academy boys are traveling to Abuasi, brimming with confidence after securing away wins at Brickham Chelsea and Mediama Sporting Club. The chips are down in the camp of Mediama and that has seen them relinquish their lead to initially Kotoko and now House of Oak. The Takwa-based club are in fourth with 40 points. They face a tough match against Ashanti Gold at home. With a 3-0 triumph in their last match at home at the Theatre of Dreams in Dewu, Dreams FC will hope to lacerate out of form Bechem United. The visitors have won one of their last five matches which sees them drop outside the top nine with 33 points after 25 matches played. However, it will not be a walk in the park for Dreams as Bechem United will be desperate for a win to prevent further drop down the table. From being on top of the league few weeks ago to now trailing leaders by six points, that has been the story of Great Olympics, the Wonder Club. Two wins out of five matches means collecting six points from a possible 15 and that poor run has left them in fifth with 40 points. The Wonder Club can bounce back when they host inter allies at the Accra Sports Stadium. Allies are extremely buoyed for the match after their 5-0 triumph over Brecum Chelsea in their last match. The visitors are four points shy of the relegation zone and need three points badly to boost their chances of survival. Legon cities have some respite regarding relegation threats after being declared winners of match day 23 fixture against Ebusian Dolphs, which ended abruptly. The decision means three goals and three points were awarded to the Royals, which lifts them to 13th with 29 points. Three points clear of the relegation zone. They have the chance to further move away from the drop when they host Iduana Stars at the Crossball Stadium. Elsewhere, Carola United will be looking for a victory against wounded Brookum Chelsea at the Golden City Park to revive their title hopes. Kim Faisal can be out of the relegation zone for the first time this season if they pick up a win at the Cape Coast Stadium against Elmina Sharks. Ebusian Dwarfs and Liberty Professionals lock horns with each other in a tight encounter to avoid relegation. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.